Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. This is Chelsea, and I want you to create a happy family. I use my background in Western and Eastern medicine, birth, and ancient yogic practices to help the modern mother learn how to live a healthier life and create conscious children. This is your guide to fertility, conception, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and the early childhood years. Are you ready to live the life of your dreams? Welcome back to Mystical Motherhood's episode number 20. Sophie Ward Karen is here to, with us today, and she's a mother, author, and shamanic practitioner, and also a certified health coach who lives in Ojai, California. She's deeply committed to helping new mothers during pregnancy and postpartum to heal with medicinal foods. She speaks about what kind of foods to eat, and also we go deep into the moon cycle, your moon cycle, and how to manage your emotions and diet during this. And we also talk about ceremonies that will help you prepare to have a baby. This is going to be really, really helpful for women who are going to have a baby, but also anyone interested in eating better and learning about how important food is for your body. I hope you enjoy. Hey, how are you doing today? Very well, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, can you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a little bit about what you're, do- you know, what you do in the world? Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, my name is Sophie Ward, um, and I have just launched a postpartum food delivery service. Um, I'm a certified health coach and shamanic practitioner, and I sort of weave wellness with ceremony and provide healthy food to moms postpartum after they've given birth. Oh, wow. Okay, so what made you decide to do that? Like, what was the moment in time that you're like, this is, I need to create nourishing food for moms? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, with any, you know, birth, there's a long journey that leads up to it. Um, any winding, winding corners. Um, but I, it was really after I had my son, um, I had originally been a model and through that industry was actually kind of unconventionally interested in health and wellness. Um, and so that was the beginning of a spark of being interested in, in food as medicine. Um, and then I met my partner in New York and at the time I was writing and, and I was kind of creating myself as an author and wanted to have a publishing company. Actually, I, I started a little publishing company of my own and um, and then I met my husband and we got married very fast and then we had our son and it was when I was pregnant with him that, you know, I was very, as most mothers are, very conscious of what I'm eating, how is this, how is this going to, you know, benefit my child and me. And so about six months after I gave birth, I just felt like I was ready for a massive career change and um, didn't really want to be writing books in a room by myself, I wanted to be looking at my baby and, you know, making medicine and making food. And so this passion kept resurfacing and I dove into a year of um, health coaching study with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I studied that for a year. And then after that, I started coaching women and I realized that there was this other aspect of, of spirit and of, um, 
of, I guess, the bigger picture that just wasn't being included. It wasn't just about food. You know, there's there's so much more energetically. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So then I dove into a year of shamanism up here in Ojai. Um, and, and then the following year, this little idea kept kind of hovering over me and I kept trying to think, how am I going to, how do I weave this together? What is the next step? How am I, what, what wants to be born? I could feel it coming. And then this sort of bang on the door above me was postpartum food delivery. So I really feel like it was a gift and and a direction and and a calling um, for me in this lifetime. So it really was kind of thankfully guided um, beautifully. Well, it's so rare too. I mean, so anyone who's listening, giving getting good food delivered is is hard. Like I don't think these munchies and and uh, these bigger companies provide that good of food for the price. Mm-hmm. And I and it's so important for a mother. So when I had my second child, I'll tell you my story and why I feel like this is important mm-hmm. for people to know is I had my first child and I was didn't really have anyone to take care of me. I didn't have my mother there or or his mother really. And or anyone, you know, I was by myself and I felt really, really isolated. My husband went right back to work and I was alone with this child and I was making my own food and I had had a home birth and I, it was, I was like a a recipe for disaster. Like if you were going to have postpartum depression, it would have been that moment, but I was strong enough to know to get out of the house, go work out or do what I needed to do because I knew postpartum depression from my background. Mm. But the second baby, I set myself up and I, and I, I invested in my health. I mean, it was, it cost money, but it made all the difference in the world. I did a full Ayurvedic program where, I mean, I even got the massages after I had the baby and the baby got the massages and I had meal delivered for about six weeks. Not like, you know, the first 10 days I did like every, almost every other day or, and then I spread them out, but I lost 20 pounds, like healthy, you know, and I had gained the same amount with each baby, which was a lot for my size. And then I lost like, I mean, have you seen that before? Like the difference in what happens with moms? I'd love to hear like what your own experience has been and then what you've seen with mothers. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was fortunate as well. I had, well, I mean, I, so you said that you didn't have as much, very much support postpartum and you really pulled up your bootstraps and, and, you know, guided yourself through that. Um, after I had my son, it was, um, I have a lot of family in Australia and so and I gave birth to him like two and a half weeks later than my due date. So they all sort of arrived like right when he was born, thinking that it would be like a couple of weeks in. So they everyone was with me from pretty much day one. And we all love to cook and so I did have a lot of support. Um and my husband loves to cook and um so I felt at that time it wasn't so much medicinal um foods and that that's something that I've developed on my own um just from an intuitive understanding through my years of breastfeeding and postpartum depletion um and just knowing that as a woman even on a monthly um basis we are constantly changing and our body needs different different things and different medicines and so um yeah I've seen I've seen beautiful things um I mean, people just, people order the same thing pretty much like 
every I have clients who who order like golden milk every week or you know they love this um this um pearl pudding that I make that's like tapioca and chia seeds and really rich coconut cream and some black sesame seeds for lactation and you know I see them every month because I host a monthly um women's gathering here in Ojai and they just come in like so vibrant and and especially the placenta clients because I um encapsulate placenta as well and and one mother you know she put it off and put it off and put it off and her son's maybe three or four months and she said is it too late and I said no it's it's never too late and she um she started taking them and she said that she felt an instant change and I could see in her energetic body too that she had a very um her core was was really strong and she seemed stronger and and um it's a very subtle thing but but also very powerful Mm-hmm. Can you describe two questions? The first question is, what kind of foods do you create postpartum? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions I have. Okay. So just like, just describe like what people should be eating. So for example, like when I had my baby, everybody ordered pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not even thinking that that would be not a good idea, right? <laughs> and, so, and, and then and the, typically everyone would be like, well, why not? What's wrong with pizza? Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's tell everybody what's wrong with pizza. And yeah. then second off, what I'd love to talk about how you can, what you can eat as your cycle changes, as mm-hmm. the moon cycle changes through the month. Mm-hmm. Like when you're bleeding, what do you eat? You know, when you, you're, you know, like if you know any tips or hints on that, that would be yeah. awesome. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. What is wrong with pizza? <laughs> well, <clears throat> It depends who's making your pizza, first of all. Um, you can make a healthy pizza, for sure. Um, I have a red lentil crust that I make for my postpartum clients. It's only red lentils. And you can make, you know, it's a flatbread. You can do whatever you want to it. Um, I will say that I believe any food can be medicine. Um, and say, you know, I, so I went through years of anorexia when I was a model. And for me a slice of pizza was medicine, you know, for that time of my life. And so if even a piece of chocolate cake could be medicine, you know, it just depends like how often you're eating it. Um, for sure, when you're postpartum, I think it's best to eat. Um, this is kind of a, a traditional Chinese um, theory that um, when you give birth and, and especially after you deliver, you know, the placenta, it creates a lot of, air and cold in your body and so they believe that we need to bring back warmth to the mother sort of her chi um energy or her life force and um that could be achieved through you know they talk about you know poaching and steaming the mother and you know hot baths and saunas and steams and then also the food that we're eating um one great rule of thumb is just if it can be in a bowl and warm you know room temperature or warmer um, that will really bring back that warmth into your body and, and that inner strength. Um, if it's a salad or if it, if, it, you know, if it can't be held on a plate, then don't eat it. Like it should always be wet and warm and liquid, ideally. Um, but for sure, you know, I mean, postpartum, so what I offer, um, especially the first 10 days, and, and also if you've had C-section or had a rough birth experience, I think anything that's as gentle as possible on the digestive system um, so I make a lot of porridges and um, a kitchery is a very is a very nourishing, nurturing, very gentle, easy on the digestion. No onions or garlic, and a lot of warming spices. Um, 
and you can eat that, you know, all day. Um, bone broths are excellent for the nervous system um, because, as any mother can understand, you know, there's a lot of nervous um, energy that happens, you know, during birth and postpartum. So to soothe the nerves as much as possible is the goal and really um, as much healthy fat as possible, coconut cream, ghee, um, animal, you know, good quality organic animal fats. Um, I personally don't, for my um, food delivery, I don't cook meat. I prefer that my clients make that for themselves at home. But, um, but anything that's like brothy, stewy, you know, warm, um, my goal with my menu was, was to make foods that women and families, and often it's the partner who's making um, the food for the mom. So I've realized that they're the ones who are really engaging with my food a lot of the time. Um, I love to provide them with things that they can mix and match, like a, a really um, rich tomato you know, marinara that they can throw either on like a pizza base that they've made at home or that I give them, you know, I can offer a um, a pizza crust out of this red lentil recipe that I that I use or you know some pesto or they can make some pasta they can kind of make a meal pretty easily for themselves but they know it's going to be nourishing and healthy um, so yeah I think you know as warming and soothing and gentle as possible um, that's that's kind of the goal and then your second question um, about monthly cycles and how things change in the body um well a lot of the time um you know our hormones are a, a, a moving landscape and um you know post sorry premenstrual you know stress and things like that and cramps i really feel that the more that we can downregulate our nervous system and um and really support our hormones with a very, you know, anti-inflammatory diet or low sugar, you know, low caffeine. Um, the more sensitive we become, but also more able to, to guide ourselves through whatever landscape is appearing to us in that month because no woman is the same and no body is the same. There's no kind of one size fits all. But I think the more sensitive you become to what works with your body and what creates anxiety or what creates um more tension you know so during um your bleeding time i would say avoid caffeine or anything that's gonna you know um also just make you move you really should be resting you know and um over the course of history women have traditionally been just bleeding into the earth and just that was their time when the veil is thinned and they can receive information for their village and their tribe they're kind of more their senses are more heightened and they can receive a message okay this is where we're going to go next or this is what I need and you know I was just reading in a book I don't remember but they I don't they wouldn't allow women that's when they stopped allowing women in I don't know if it's meetings or churches or something Mm -hmm. something I read is because they you know when the church was became big is that they knew that a woman bleeding would be able to read and understand the room more than everyone else. So they wanted to create almost a boundary and not allow them into the room or into, you know, into the meetings with the men, because they knew that that woman would be able to just intuitively 
call the bullshit out kind of. And it's so, because it's so interesting because it's like, we've forgotten. I'm, I'm actually going into, I mean, kind of switching subjects, but Mm. I'm reading a book right now. I I don't have the name at the top of my head, but talking about the important, like really looking at the moon cycles and, and, and what you're eating and your moods and how you're feeling. Can you talk more about that? Cause it seems like, you know, I would love everyone to hear about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it is interesting. I think that women have, um, really amazing intuition. And so I was talking with someone the other day about, about chocolate and how, when we're in our cycle or leading up to our cycle, we're feeling a little bit more moody or something we reach for the chocolate bar um the store-bought chocolate bar has all kinds of additives and, and you know, processed sugar generally um unless you can find an excellent you know, brand that you like but um the thing about chocolate is that um it's very rich in magnesium very rich in iron um very rich in theobromin. So it's theobromin is something that um, is a sort of mood lifter. So there isn't any caffeine in, in chocolate, contrary to sort of popular belief. Um, but it does have this mood lifting effect. And um, I think when a woman is on her cycle, she, she needs magnesium to relax. You know, magnesium is one of the most um, lacking minerals in our, in our diet and in our bodies, and yet it's responsible for hundreds of thousands of different cellular functions in the body um iron you know we're about to bleed we need lots of iron um and so on the topic of iron as well i would say that you know just before your cycle or when you're bleeding to have some some kind of um consciously raised red meat or animal protein i think is is a perfect time to do that even if you eat it once a month you know that's an additional application of of a food that a lot of people try to avoid. As I said earlier, any food could be medicine. But I think that um, you intuitively gravitate towards, you know, a burger or a bar of chocolate. You know, the reason is that your body knows, you know, that that buffalo meat or that beef or that um, cacao is going to support your body and, and it has what it needs So it, in that food. So um, as well, you know, things like ashwagandha, um, Marker, you know, very good um, adaptogens for that time. Um, ashwagandha, I find, you know, if my body needs to rest and if I drink something with some ashwagandha in it, then I will just be exhausted. And if I need energy, then it'll be, you know, it'll give me the energy that that my body wants. You know, my body wants to move around. So um, we kind of have to like clear our expectations of. Okay, I need to like power through and do all, achieve all these things today but I think on a cycle it's really a beautiful time to to slow down and tune in and I've had women say as well that when they listen more to their what their body's asking them during that time of bleeding and they really rest <clears throat> and fill up um the rest of the month goes really amazing you know they have extra energy that's actually a sort of micro example of postpartum too that when we can really give back to ourselves during that time of, of release and, you know, post-birth or after, you know, during bleeding. Um, the future is is a fuller cup, you know. Um, I love what Heng Wu writes about in The First Body Days, the book um, about postpartum um, food. Do you know this book? Uh-uh. What is the name of it? It's great. It's called The First 40 Days. 
Oh, I've seen it. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, that's a great, I mean, I had a book, I just, I worked, it was like, it's an outdated one I was using. Mm-hmm. It was just off someone's woman, woman's website, but yeah. I didn't really know another one existed until yeah. I saw it recently. Yes. Yeah, I, so I think she published it last year. Yeah. I think in the last year and a half or so, I think. Um, but uh, she, <clears throat> she tells the story of how her, uh, her aunt comes to visit her and just sort of with baskets of food and says, I'm not leaving, you know, until your 40 days is done. You're not leaving the house for 40 days. Um, I'm going to cook for you. Um, and but she says, you know, this is why I look so young at my age. She's like 70 something. And she says, you know, it's because I took care of myself postpartum. And, and this is in my book. So in my book, Mystical Motherhood, I did a whole, I mean, it's so not known to women. It's not out there because we have, it's unbelievable to me that I, the things I'm learning, I didn't know just three years ago. Yeah. And it's like how, you know, and it's like every woman needs to know the if you don't know this and you're listening, if you have a baby for the 40 days afterwards, you don't leave your house. You just stay home. You breastfeed that baby. If you need to get help for your toddler, you get help Mm -hmm. and you sacrifice yourself because that 40 days equals 40 years of your health. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of like a crash cleanse or like a diet. You just do it. It, don't look even look at it like that. You look at it for like the health of everybody and you're just be, will be so much more radiant. And when you had your baby, did you do the 40, 40 days postpartum and stay in inside? I did not. Okay. Um, no. Yeah. As you said, it seems, I mean, I had no awareness of that. I had no consciousness of that at that point. That was four years ago. Um, and yeah, I stayed in my midwife told me to not leave upstairs where we gave well, I gave birth to my son downstairs and then straight after the birth, we went back upstairs to our bed and I didn't leave there for about two days. Um, I didn't, she just said, you know, don't come downstairs because I also tore a little bit. And, um, but yeah, I, I, it was kind of a rude awakening that, you know, I'm a very active person and at least like to be doing things. And, um, after I think two weeks or maybe it was even just it was one week I decided to go for a walk with my sister-in-law we lived um in Bucks County Pennsylvania about an hour from New York City and there was this beautiful forest and I wanted to walk through the forest to my brother-in-law's house and um and even just that 10 minute walk slowly you know really wiped me out and reversed a lot of the healing that I'd been you know my body had naturally been doing with my tear and everything and it just it was really surprising that that um my body just needed so much rest and tenderness um and uh yeah I mean I stayed I stayed close to home but I I definitely did not um stay inside for 40 days and and if and when I have another child I would love to experience that um I I do see a difference with my clients who do that yeah yeah. It was a huge difference for me because, well, specifically the food was doing, mm-hmm. I did Ayurvedic warm food, just like you described, mm-hmm. the rice pudding and then the kitchery, um, and it was just so much easier in my digestion. And then it relieved that Vata energy, which is the air energy, which was the anxiety. So mm-hmm. my first baby, 
when I didn't know, I mean, I was on my cell phone and I'm like, you're not working. And then I was really young. So my friends, no one had babies. Everyone else was working and I didn't have any family. It was just a disaster. Mm. It felt like, like thinking back on it, I was like, what did I do? I should have like at least gone home to Utah and had a baby or something. Mm. Um, But the second time it just, it's so much better. I like, it really enjoyed my postpartum experience. I didn't feel anxiety. Mm. You know, I, I really, I didn't feel like this. I didn't feel like she needs me again. You know, like that at the first time I felt mm. so overwhelmed by how much I was needed. Right. I, I was so overwhelmed by that. And you couldn't take a shower, mm-hmm. you know, like the not being able to take a shower is crazy. Yeah. And, um, I think the second time, I it just did it differently. I knew to hold her more. I knew to put her in the wrap. I learned so many different things that I didn't know the first time. I didn't. I didn't have the consciousness for it. Right. Right. And I right. and I and I don't know if it's because I had to go through it to realize. Well, that didn't work right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but I just want the if you're like a new mom listening, you don't have to do that because we just went through it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, there's such a paradigm shift at the moment with, with women and, and mothers, um, you know, this concept that we have to kind of do it all or, um, or that, you know, we have to get our like pre-baby body back or, you know, go back to work. And um, <clears throat> I really feel that there's a beautiful um, awakening of what a woman really needs to be in her full power. And it's not what a man needs, you know, it is a lot gentler and 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 it it is that cultivating of that inner um that inner fire and that inner um, reservoir because the mother gives so much and so I just want to add here that you know part of my passion in doing this part of the reason part of my my calling is this connection to mother earth as well and and mother earth and mothers very similar just unconditionally just endlessly you know for a lifetime will just give and give and give to their to their children and to their family and um I it kind of hit me that well if a mother can take care of herself it also rewires the way that we take care of our great mother and our mother earth and um just the awareness and the consciousness of that and also I love that I love that because I'm writing my next book called Fertile and I opened up the book and I didn't know I was, I actually went to Glastonbury and I was, and I, and I, cause I'm writing about how to create fertility. Cause I work with a lot of clients that are, you know, having a hard time with fertility. Mm-hmm. And when I, they, I, you know, I, I listen and I was kind of being described to me as fertility is an, an awakening of the senses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a fully, you know, a, f- a fully awakened, I mean, kind of, this is off subject, but not really, but yeah. You know, fertility is a fully awakening of the senses. So your your engage your eyes are not well. Also, awakening is mm-hmm. is the senses alive. So mm-hmm. you know, your your feel you feel more alive. Your visions enhanced. Mm-hmm. You, your your the smells are enhanced. Your food, the food you choose, are, you know, is different than what you would normally choose if you're an unawakened individual. Mm-hmm. And in order to enhance fertility, because fertility is such an issue for so many women, mm-hmm. is where are your senses and how awakened are is your sensory system? Mm-hmm. And can it match Mother Earth's? Because if you walk into nature, 
It's like, that's the best example we have of fertility anywhere else. There's no woman that can like, so it's, if we go back to that, what does a scene of nature look like? And can you emulate that self in yourself to increase your fertility? It's so important. And it's like, duh, but no one's really explained it like that to me until I experienced it. And I was walking in Glastonbury and I was experiencing, you know, the heightened energy and the the sounds of the birds, which are almost, you know, seventh dimensional and Mm. the smells. And I was like, this is fertility. Yes. This is fertility. And and it's almost alive. And if women can remember that Mm -hmm. and and cycle with that, Mm -hmm. powerful. It's not, it's kind of off subject. No, I love it. It's, it's, and it, I, it's totally in alignment. And, you know, I, I feel that, you know, when, just like how we prepare the earth to receive seeds that we're planting to grow food or, you know, grow a tree, that there is, you know, there can be parts of the earth which do need a lot of care and, and, and attention and we need to give back to the earth and put back in minerals or we need to put our blood there. You know, we have a rose on our, at the front of our house that for two years hasn't been um, flowering and then I started feeding it my blood and some magnesium from my bath and that's mm-hmm. results and it's just covered in roses now and it, it just you know there are certain little slight alterations sometimes to the soil that um that that create you know an optimal environment um for those seeds to to sprout into life and so that's kind of where I I mean I do um provide food to a lot of pregnant women too um not women who are looking to conceive, but that's something that I'm conscious of in myself too. Um, and I love that <clears throat> when, you know, the health of your body, when you conceive really sets the tone for your pregnancy. That's what I tell a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what you eat when you're pregnant. Just listen to your body, eat healthily. But if you can be at your optimal health, you know, when you're looking to conceive, it's just like no start. one thinks about it. And mm-hmm. I want to bring that back. And mm-hmm. I think the infertility crisis, which is happening, and I think will, I think it'll bring attention back to that. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring attention back to, I mean, at least the, the work with so many women. And it's like, well, let's go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. What yeah. are you eating? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your stress level? Where do you need to have control? Do you connect with nature? When's the last time you took time for yourself? What is your career life balance? And yeah. it's like, you have to have all these things in balance before yeah. you, you know, have a child. Yes. And it's yeah. like the, like the earth is making some of these women really, really, really look at that. And, or you, you can do it. Like I, I had to look, I mean, I had, I looked at some of those things before I had a baby because I was forced to from a, you know, a different perspective, but a lot of women do it when they have the child and it's better to go through those health things before the child. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. And then could you talk about, um, so a lot of women talk about catching their blood and giving it back to the earth. Mm-hmm. I've never done this because I wouldn't know how, and I was actually on birth control and I had two babies, so I hadn't bled in so long. Yeah. Now I'm not, but what do you do? Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. And what does it feel like to you? Mm-hmm. So um, I use something called a diva cup. Um, it's a silicone cup um, shaped like a chalice. Um, and you insert it just like a regular tampon and then it catches your blood. And um, when it's time to empty it, just like you would replace a tampon, it's a cup of blood. And so I just take it to a plant or sometimes I will actually just put it in a jar 
and, you know, put some water in it as well. And just over the day, you know, have a little jar. And then, um, yeah, it sort of needs to be watered down a little bit. And then you can just pour it on your household plants or any plants outside that you, um, you know, feel need a little love. Or it's just a beautiful way to connect also with the earth. And as I said earlier, in the past, you know, there was this red tent tradition um, you know, where women would, bleeding women would come together because often, you know, we bleed around the same time, the full moon or depending on, on the month. Um, and they would sit on the earth and just bleed directly into the earth. And the idea was almost that this is going to fertilize our fields. This is going to help us with our next, you know, cycle of, of production and cooperation with Mother Earth. But, you know, Mother Earth gives us so much and, and, are we, we uh, for me, I have to remind myself, okay, what am I giving back to Mother Earth? And in shamanism, they say Pachamama loves sweet things. She loves sweetness and she loves, um, so she loves chocolate and she loves um, flowers and she loves, she's a woman, you know. So, um, but also just like we crave, you know, um, red meat when we're on our cycle, returning our blood to the earth is just a very enriching way to give back to mother earth um, physically and energetically and it creates that beautiful connection um as well with the earth um yeah beyond the physical level um yeah is there anything that you can think of like when women are going through their cycles i know when i do spiritual work or clearing work i know that when we do that that it clears the emotions around bleeding around the moon. Mm. Um, but mm. is there anything else we can, is there any foods, I mean, that you could eat before you start your period? Cause you know, at least for me, when I, before I start my period, I don't feel good. Like I feel, I, I have these mm. thoughts running through my brain that are not as like, like you're overweight or that bloated feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm the only yeah. per, women, yeah. woman who yeah. feels this way, but like, I'm like, I need to lose weight. I need to work out, but it's really that I'm about to start my period. Mm-hmm. Do you have that? Or is this, I mean, yeah. is there anything that, you know, women can do to, to eat or that you found to connect, to change that? Yeah. So something I love that my friend, shared with me was that you know she notices her body just like the moon gets fuller and fuller and fuller just before it releases back into this you know void of the new moon and so oh body is water as well our body is made up of you know some people say 75 some people say 90 percent water but it's it's a it's a majority of water and so our body is is being pulled and tugged on by the moon i feel And, and even you know just um even if the moon is not full, I feel like our body is um, just cycling, you know, and there's seasons and everything in nature has a cycle. And um, if you pay attention and notice that it just it does that every month, just like the tide is just waning and, be, and just not freak out and be like, okay, it's, you know, this is what this means. And then when I bleed, it's a release. And then I'm, it's going to wane back again to the way it was before. And, you know, and just being, being conscious of that, but also, you know, you might, say oh yeah you know that's right I ate all of that ice cream I you know I had that cheesecake with my friend the other day and you just kind of say okay so now I'm going to eat you know some some lighter food and just to to not come down like a ton of bricks on yourself I as I said earlier struggled through years of eating disorders and it took me a long time to really be 
loving and gentle with myself. And I think that's why I'm able to offer this loving, gentle space to other women in this very tender time of postpartum is that I've had to learn how to be super gentle with myself and not give myself such a hard time. And um, I love what you said earlier as well about the senses and fertility. Um, Tantra is really... It's not just in the bedroom, but if you live in a you know bhakti yoga tantric kind of way, it's it's engaging with life with love. And um, so my friend as well, who said the thing about the, your body waxing and waning like the moon, she said to me when as I was kind of coming out of my eating disorder time, she said, "Just eat what you love. Just do what you love. Be with the people that you love." smell the things that you love, look at the things that you love and just surround, if you do that, then you can never, you're going to be great. You know, everything's going to be fine. And, yeah. um, and I love that, that, you know, if, if it feels really good to, to eat a piece of chocolate cake and buy yourself a bunch of flowers, then do that, you know, um, yeah. And that's so yeah. important because there's so, when I working with women and they're trying to become pregnant, there's so much negative emotions and thoughts of I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm, this isn't, you know, and, and there could be a million other reasons why this baby shouldn't be coming at that moment. Like mm-hmm. perhaps there's a national, nat, you know, a, a natural disaster that's going to happen or they're going to lose their house or, you know, the child's supposed to come on a certain date in the future, which is mm-hmm. something they couldn't even wrap their minds around, nor do I bring up, yeah. but you know, it's like, just do what you love and feel, feel good. You know, feel really, really good inside. And then you'll attract that type of soul. And that, yeah. so if you, if your senses are so super heightened and you can do that through food or through energy work or through looking at the things you love, that's what you're going to attract into you. Just like the law of attraction. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. It's not that out there, but it is for the general <laughs> public to me, to me now, it seems like, well, duh, think about the law of attraction. You're going to yeah. attract, you know, what you are. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so if you want to bring awakened child down, become like nature become yeah. completely awakened like mother earth yes and create the conduit create the space yeah, yeah and create the space yes yeah and that's why you know coming back to postpartum too i feel that the more that women can you know really pay attention to how their body's feeling how much they're able to do like you said that vata energy of anxiety i have definitely had that too um and, you know, if they can be aware of that and understand what to reach for that's going to soothe that, um, bone broth, ashwagandha, lion's mane, um, you know, things like that, that rhodiola, very good for anxiety, um, just to, to know, okay, I can make myself like some golden milk or, you know, a cacao drink with some like homemade marshmallows or, you know, um, and know that that's going to really support my system to return back to homeostasis. You know, um, living organisms tend towards homeostasis and rebalancing themselves, but we do need to know how to do that. And, you know, people who were foragers, they were probably the most, the people who had the most understanding of, like they held so much information in their mind because they and it's lost now because no one's foraging anymore. Oh. And they were so connected to the land, but they only knew a small amount of the land, you know. But they would, like, maybe you know, I mean, not it's not small for us, but they walked and they had to know what foods were medicine, what foods were, you know, what do I take if this is happening to me, or 
you know, where do the potatoes grow? You know, and it was constantly changing. And I think we've lost that relationship to our food. Um, and, you know, there's kind of, we're in like a very macro stage, I feel, with food. Where it's, well, we have been, where it's protein, carbohydrates, sugar. And I think there, we're, our energy collectively, I think, is becoming more and more refined. And so there is more and more of a subtle approach now, I think, that's available to us with food you know, the energetics of food. Um, even like if you make a blend, if you make a smoothie or blend something or grind coffee, the energy of that, like grinding of that coffee, you know, bean is going to go into your into your system as well. And so it's just about making conscious choices whether I need that today or maybe not. Maybe I need something different. What do you recommend for moms that aren't in your area and need to get this postpartum or need help and they feel like they can't do it alone or like, is there cookbooks that you would have their family use or is there something they could Google that they would maybe be able to find somebody in their area? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, as I mentioned, the first 40 days is, is a beautiful companion. Um, it is not for everyone I would say, but it's great um, in terms of understanding what a woman needs postpartum she offers a lot of information, not only recipes. Um, and then there's something also I would say for for people who who don't have um, access to even their family. You know, they might live far away from their family or their friends. Uh, hopefully, a woman has friends where she lives. Um, and there's something called Mealtrain.com where you can organize a meal train for amongst your um, close circle of friends and. Um, basically people sign up to bring you food um, on a schedule. And so often when, a fr- when someone has a baby, people, people would love to know what they can do to help. Um, but for the most part, you know, delivering food, um, doing the dishes, like folding the laundry, these are things that like a postpartum mom will just be so grateful for. Um, it's not really about like sitting down and chatting for an hour and like that's going to deplete a new mom. But um but yeah, mealtrain.com, if you have sisters or, or, you know, friends in your area, you can, um, you can coordinate that. Um, and then also like a lot of, uh, I know people who maybe can't afford um, very much extra support postpartum, but they make a lot of food ahead of time when they're pregnant and freeze it. So kitchery, dolls, you know, bone broth, these things really freeze very well. Um different risottos or congees and other, um, you know, traditional Chinese just rice and water and they freeze really well. And you can, you know, for me, often I put things like that in a, like a little lasagna tray and they just stack really well in the freezer. And then postpartum, you just have something that you can defrost and have that going on the stove. And so another thing you can, Another thing you can do is you can, if somebody is, there's no one in your areas that knows how to cook these things, mm-hmm. you can find maybe somebody who has trained in Ayurveda, or you can find even a cook that maybe is a student cook or something and hand them the cookbook. Yes. And so, or, you know, if, if you can, or have them teach you how to make one of those meals and then you can freeze them, something like that. Yeah. So that it's not, it's yeah. not totally unavailable to you but really think about it and it's really really important Mm -hmm. it really is yeah and that's that's something as well that's been becoming more and more um in collective awareness is that there's so much focus on the baby and on the birth and then 
I know for my sister, she she had trouble breastfeeding, but she was like, I didn't, I didn't have any. I mean, it's almost, you know, you can know the basics of breastfeeding, but until you're in it, you know, there's there's a lot that you learn in the moment. But the whole postpartum time of breastfeeding, the maternal care postpartum, is is really um, not a priority in our culture. Um, it's kind of like, okay, here's your baby, now go home and you're on your own. Um, and so. Uh, the most, you know, as much support as we can get, I think, is really important for that transitional time. It's such a massive change in a woman's life and on all levels. As well, and and also I want to mention, I think I've mentioned this before, but tribes used to separate their babies by three years because yeah. they knew that the baby would be nutrient you know, nutritionally deficit mm-hmm. because they're nutritionally deficit because yeah. it takes three to four years for your body between each baby to get the nutrients back up. Yeah. Specifically if you're breastfeeding. I mean, it's like it just, mm-hmm. it's just taken everything from yeah. somebody. Yeah. Um, and then that child's going to be sick. The, I mean, the second child won't be as healthy as the first. Mm-hmm. So to make a really strong generations, they would separate. We're not doing that, mm-hmm. nor are we preparing our bodies with bone broths or anything in between. And I didn't do this. I did not know. And I got pregnant really quick. I, if I would have known how important it was, I would have been drinking the bone broth I had at my house, but I didn't like it. So I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. And mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have, you know, or just I would have eaten differently. Mm-hmm. Add ghee and salt to any bone broth that makes it taste like absolutely delicious. Algae and salt? Ghee. So clarified butter. Oh, I know ghee, yeah. Yeah, so I make ghee and any ghee with as much salt as you can handle and just it's, it changes the whole thing. A part of Sophie and I's conversation was cut off in the end, but I wanted to conclude that she also spoke about the importance of a mother's blessing before having a child, which is noted in mystical motherhood. And if you don't know what this is, it's a Navajo blessing um, that connects the community of women together through a ceremony. And when the mother goes into labor, then the whole community is uh, notified of that. And then they are praying for the mother while she's in labor. And this is something that you can find more at um, on Sophie's website, which is milkandseed.com. She's also found on um, Instagram at Milk and Seed. She has all her information um, about her postpartum menu and ideas you can get from that workshop she's doing and a way to contact her um, if you have any further questions on any of these. Um, you can also write into Mystical Motherhood at mysticalmotherhood.com. You can find everything. Um, about this and more information on postpartum food and healing and be sure to subscribe or write in with any questions that you have. I look forward to you returning. Thanks so much.
Hey, how are you doing today? Very well, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, can you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a little bit about what you're, do, you know, what you do in the world? Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, my name is Sophie Ward, um, and I have just launched a postpartum food delivery service. Um, I'm a certified health coach and shamanic practitioner, and I sort of weave wellness with ceremony and provide healthy food to moms postpartum after they've given birth. Oh, wow. Okay. So what made you decide to do that? Like, what was the moment in time that you're like, this is, I need to create nourishing food for moms? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, with any, you know, birth, there's a long journey that leads up to it. Um, any winding, winding corners. Um, but I, it was really after I had my son, um, I had originally been a model and through that industry was actually kind of unconventionally interested in health and wellness. Um, and so that was the beginning of a spark of being interested in, in food as medicine. Um, and then I met my partner in New York and at the time I was writing and, and I was kind of creating myself as an author and wanted to have a publishing company. Actually, I, I started a little publishing company of my own and um, and then I met my husband, we got married very fast and then we had our son and it was when I was pregnant with him that, you know, I was very, as most mothers are, very conscious of what I'm eating, how is this, how is this going to, you know, benefit my child and me. And so about six months after I gave birth, I just felt like I was ready for a massive career change and um, didn't really want to be writing books in a room by myself, I wanted to be looking at my baby and, you know, making medicine and making food. And so this passion kept resurfacing and I dove into a year of um, health coaching study with Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I studied that for a year. And then after that, I started coaching women and I realized that there was this other aspect of, of spirit and of, um, of, I guess the bigger picture that just wasn't being, included it wasn't just about food you know there's there's so much more energetically um yes yeah so then I dove into a year of shamanism up here in Ojai um and and then the following year this little idea kept kind of hovering over me and I kept trying to think how am I gonna how do I weave this together what is the next step how am I what what wants to be born I could feel it coming and then this sort of bang on the door above me was postpartum food delivery so I really feel like it was a gift and and a direction and and a calling um, for me in this lifetime so it really was kind of thankfully guided um, beautifully well it's so rare too I mean so anyone who's listening Getting getting good food delivered is is hard. Like I don't think these munchies and and uh, these bigger companies provide that good of food for the price. Mm-hmm. And I and it's so important for a mother. So when I had my second child, I'll tell you my story and why I feel like this is important mm-hmm. for people to know. Is I had my first child and I was didn't really have anyone to take care of me. I didn't have my mother there or or his mother really, and or anyone, you know, I was by myself and I felt really, really isolated. My husband went right back to work and I was alone with this child and I was making my own food and I had had a home birth and I 
it was, it was like a, a recipe for disaster. Like if you were going to have postpartum depression, it would have been that moment. But I was strong enough to know to get out of the house, go work out or do what I needed to do because I knew postpartum depression yeah. from my background. Mm-hmm. But the second baby, I set myself up and I, and I, I invested in my health. I mean, it, was, it cost money, but it made all the difference in the world. I did a full Ayurvedic program. Where I mean, I even got the massages after I had the baby and the baby got the massages and I had meal delivered for about six weeks. Not like, you know, the first 10 days I did like every, almost every other day or, and then I spread them out, but I lost 20 pounds, like healthy, you know, and I had gained the same amount with each baby, which was a lot for my size. And then I lost like, I mean, have you seen that before? Like the difference in what happens with moms? I'd love to hear like what your own experience has been and then what you've seen with mothers. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was fortunate as well. I had, well, I mean, I, so you said that you didn't have as much, very much support postpartum and you really pulled up your bootstraps and, and, you know, guided yourself through that. Um, after I had my son, it was, um, I have a lot of family in Australia and so and I gave birth to him like two and a half weeks later than my due date. So they all sort of arrived like right when he was born, thinking that it would be like a couple of weeks in. So they everyone was with me from pretty much day one. And we all love to cook and so I did have a lot of support. Um and my husband loves to cook and um so I felt at that time it wasn't so much medicinal um foods and that that's something that I've developed on my own um just from an intuitive understanding through my years of breastfeeding and postpartum depletion um and just knowing that as a woman even on a monthly um basis we are constantly changing in our body needs different different things and different medicines and so um yeah I've seen I've seen beautiful things um I mean, people just, people order the same thing pretty much. Like every, I have clients who, who order like golden milk every week or, you know, they love this, um, this um, pearl pudding that I make that's like tapioca and chia seeds and really rich coconut cream and some black sesame seeds for lactation. And, you know, I see them every month because I host a monthly um, women's gathering here in Ojai. And they just come in like so vibrant and, and especially the placenta clients because I um, encapsulate placenta as well. And, and one mother, you know, she put it off and put it off and put it off and her son's maybe three or four months. And she said, is it too late? And I said, no, it's, it's never too late. And she, um, she started taking them and she said that she felt an instant change. And I could see in her energetic body too that she had a very – um, her core was was really strong, and she seemed stronger. And, and um, it's a very subtle thing, but but also very powerful. Mm-hmm. Can you describe two questions? The first question is: What kind of foods do you create postpartum? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions I have. Okay. So just like just describe like what people should be eating. So for example, like when I had my baby, everybody ordered pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not even thinking that that would be not a good idea. Right. <laughs> and so, and, 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 and the typically everyone would be like, well, why not? What's wrong with pizza? Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's tell everybody what's wrong with pizza. And yeah. then second off what I'd love to talk about how you can, what you can eat as your cycle changes 
as the moon cycle changes through the month, like when you're bleeding, what do you eat? You know, when you're, you know, like if you know any tips or hints on that, that would be awesome. Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. What is wrong with pizza? (laughs) Well, it depends who's making your pizza. First of all, Um, you can make a healthy pizza for sure. Um, I have a red lentil crust that I make for my postpartum clients. It's only red lentils and you can make, you know, it's like a flatbread. You can do whatever you want to it. Um, I will say that I believe any food can be medicine. Um, and say, you know, I, so I went through years of anorexia when I was a model. And for me, a slice of pizza was medicine, you know, for that time of my life. And so if even a piece of chocolate cake could be medicine, you know, it just depends like how often you're eating it. Um, for sure, when you're postpartum, I think it's best to eat. Um, this is kind of a, a traditional Chinese um, theory that um, when you give birth, and, and especially after you deliver, you know the placenta it creates a lot of air and cold in your body, and so they believe that we need to bring back warmth to the mother, sort of her chi um, energy or her life force, and um, that could be achieved through you know. They talk about, you know, poaching and steaming the mother and, you know, hot baths and saunas and steams. And then also the food that we're eating, um, one great rule of thumb is just if it can be in a bowl and warm, you know, room temperature or warmer, um, that will really bring back that warmth into your body and, and that inner strength. Um, if it's a salad or if it, if, it, you know, if it can't be held on a plate, then don't eat it. Like it should always be wet and warm and liquid ideally um but for sure you know i mean postpartum so what i offer um especially the first 10 days and and also if you've had c-section or had a rough birth experience i think anything that's as gentle as possible on the digestive system um so i make a lot of porridges and um a kitchery is a very is a very nourishing nurturing very gentle easy on the digestion no onions or garlic and a lot of warming spices, um, and you can eat that, you know, all day. Um, bone broths are excellent for the nervous system um, because, as any mother can understand, you know, there's a lot of nervous um, energy that happens, you know, during birth and postpartum. So to soothe the nerves as much as possible is the goal, and really um, as much healthy fat as possible, coconut cream, ghee, um, and, you know, good quality organic animal fats. Um, I personally don't, for my um, food delivery, I don't cook meat. I prefer that my clients make that for themselves at home. But um, but anything that's like brothy, stewy, you know, warm. Um, my goal with my menu was, was to make foods that women and families, and often it's the partner who's making um, the food for the mom. So I've realized that they're the ones who are really engaging with my food a lot of the time. Um, I love to provide them with things that they can mix and match, like a, a really um, rich tomato you know, marinara that they can throw either on like a pizza base that they've made at home or that I give them. You know, I can offer um, a pizza crust out of this red lentil recipe that I that I use or, you know, some pesto or they can make some pasta. They can kind of make a meal pretty easily for themselves, but they know it's going to be nourishing and healthy. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, 
as warming and soothing and gentle as possible. Um, that's that's kind of the goal. And then your second question um, about monthly cycles and how mm-hmm. things change in the body. Um, well, a lot of the time, um, you know, our hormones are a, a, a moving landscape, and um, you know, post sorry premenstrual, you know, stress and things like that, and cramps. I really feel that the more that we can downregulate our nervous system and um, and really support our hormones with a very you know anti-inflammatory diet or low sugar, you know, low caffeine. Um, the more sensitive we become, but also more able to, to guide ourselves through whatever landscape is appearing to us in that month, because no woman is the same and no body is the same. There's no kind of one size fits all. But I think the more sensitive you become to what works with your body and what creates anxiety or what creates um, more tension, you know, so during um, your bleeding time, I would say avoid caffeine or anything that's going to, you know, um, also just make you move. You really should be resting, you know, and um, over the course of history, women have traditionally been just bleeding into the earth and just that was their time when the veil is thinned and they can receive information for their village and their tribe. They're kind of more, their senses are more heightened and they can receive a message, okay, this is where we're going to go next or this is what I need. And, you know, I was just reading in a book, I don't remember, but they, I don't, they wouldn't allow women. That's when they stopped allowing women in, I don't know if it was meetings or churches or something, Mm -hmm. something I read is because they, you know, when the church was became big is that they knew that a woman bleeding would be able to read and understand the room more than everyone else. So they wanted to create almost a boundary and not allow them into the room or into, you know, into the meetings with the men, because they knew that that woman would be able to just intuitively call the bullshit out kind of. And it's so, because it's so interesting because it's like, we've forgotten. I'm, I'm actually going into I mean, kind of switching subjects, but Mm. I'm reading a book right now. I I don't have the name at the top of my head, but talking about the important, like really looking at the moon cycles and, and, and what you're eating and your moods and how you're feeling. Can you talk more about that? Cause it seems like, you know, I would love everyone to hear about that. Um, Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it is interesting. I think that women have, um, really amazing intuition and, so I was talking with someone the other day about, about chocolate and how when we're on our cycle or leading up to our cycle or feeling a little bit more, more moody or something, we reach for the chocolate bar. Um, the store-bought chocolate bar has all kinds of additives and, and you know, processed sugar generally, um, unless you can find an excellent you know, brand that you like. But um, the thing about chocolate is that um, it's very rich in magnesium, very rich in iron, um, very rich in theobromin. So it's theobromin is something that um, is a sort of mood lifter. So there isn't any caffeine in, in chocolate, contrary to sort of popular belief. Um, but it does have this mood lifting effect. And um, I think when a woman is on her cycle, she, she needs magnesium to relax. You know, magnesium is one of the most um, 
lacking minerals in our in our diet in our bodies and yet it's responsible for hundreds if not thousands of different cellular functions in the body um iron you know we're about to bleed we need lots of iron um and so on the topic of iron as well i would say that you know just before your cycle or when you're bleeding to have some some kind of um consciously raised red meat or animal protein i think is is a perfect time to do that. Even if you eat it once a month, you know, that's a medicinal application of, of a food that a lot of people try to avoid. As I said earlier, any food could be medicine. But I think that um, you intuitively gravitate towards, you know, a burger or a bar of chocolate. You know, the reason is that your body knows, you know, that that buffalo meat or that beef or that um, cacao is going to support your body and, and it has what it needs So it, in that food. So, um as well, you know, things like ashwagandha, um, maca, you know, very good um, adaptogens for that time. Um, ashwagandha, I find, you know, if my body needs to rest and if I drink something with some ashwagandha in it, then I will just be exhausted. And if I need energy, then it will be, you know, it will give me the energy that, that my body wants, you know, my body wants to move around. So, um we kind of have to like clear our expectations of okay, I need to like power through and do all achieve all these things today. But I think on a cycle, it's really a beautiful time to to slow down and tune in. And I've had women say as well that when they listen more to their what their body's asking them during that time of bleeding and they really rest <clears throat> and fill up, um, the rest of the month goes really amazing and they have extra energy. That's actually a sort of micro example of postpartum too, that when we can really give back to ourselves during that time of, of release and, you know, post-birth or after, you know, during bleeding, um, the future is is a fuller cup, you know. Um, I love what Heng U writes about in The First Body Days, the book um, about postpartum um, food. Do you know this book? Uh-uh. What is the name of it? It's great. It's called The First 40 Days. Oh, I've seen it. It's beautiful. Yes. I, that's a great, I mean, I had a book, I just, I worked, it was like, it's an outdated one I was using. Mm-hmm. It was just off someone's woman, woman's website, but yeah. I didn't really know another one existed until yeah. I saw it recently. Yes. I, I think she published it last year. Yeah. I think in the last year and a half or so, I think. Um, but uh, she she tells the story of how her uh, her aunt comes to visit her, and just sort of with baskets of food and says, "I'm not leaving, you know, until your forty days is done. You're not leaving the house for forty days. Um, I'm going to cook for you." Um, and she says, "You know, this is why I look so young at my age. She's like seventy something." And she says, "You know, it's because I took care of myself postpartum." It- and this is in my book. So in my book, Mystical Motherhood, I did a whole, I mean, it's so not known to women. It's not out there because we have, it's unbelievable to me that I, the things I'm learning, I didn't know just three years ago. Yeah. And it's like how, you know, and it's like every woman needs to know the, if you don't know this and you're listening, if you have a baby for the 40 days afterwards, you don't leave your house. Yeah. You just stay home. You breastfeed that baby. If you need to get help for your toddler, you get help. Mm-hmm. And you sacrifice yourself because that 40 days equals 40 years of your health. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like a crash cleanse or like a diet. You just do it. 
it, don't look, even look at it like that. You look at it for like the health of everybody and you're just be, will be so much more radiant and happy. Did you do this with your daughter or? Can you hear me? I can still hear you. Oh, um, can you hear me? Oh, no, I think you're back. Okay. Okay, you're back? I can hear you, but I can't really see you. Okay, hold on. Okay. How's this? Can you can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Okay, okay so I'll ask the question again. So we'll just restart from there. Um when you had your baby, did you do the 40, 40 days postpartum and stay in inside? I did not. Um, okay. No. Yeah. As you said, it seems, I mean, I had no awareness of that. I had no consciousness of that at that point. That was four years ago. Um, and yeah, I stayed in my midwife told me to not leave upstairs where we gave, well, I gave birth to my son downstairs and then straight after the birth, we went back upstairs to our bed and I didn't leave there for about two days. Um, I didn't, she just said, you know, don't come downstairs because I also tore a little bit and, um, but yeah, I, I, it was kind of a rude awakening that, you know, I'm a very active person and at least like to be doing things. And, um, after I think two weeks, or maybe it was even just, it was one week, I decided to go for a walk with my sister-in-law. We lived, um, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, about an hour from New York city. And there was this beautiful forest and I wanted to walk through the forest to my brother-in-law's house. And, um, and even just that 10 minute walk slowly, you know, really wiped me out and reversed a lot of the healing that I'd been, you know, my body had naturally been doing with my tear and everything. And it just, it was really surprising that, that um, my body just needed so much rest and tenderness. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I stayed, I stayed close to home, but I, I definitely did not, um, stay inside for 40 days and and if and when I have another child I would love to experience that um I I do see a difference with my clients who do that yeah Yeah. it was a huge difference for me because well specifically the food was doing Mm -hmm. I did Ayurvedic warm food just like you described Mm -hmm. the rice pudding and then the kitchery um and it was just so much easier in my digestion. And then it relieved that Vata energy, which is the air energy, which was the anxiety. So my first baby, 
when I didn't know, I mean, I was on my cell phone and I'm like, you're not working. And then I was really young. So my friends, no one had babies. Everyone else was working and I didn't have any family. It was just a disaster. Mm. It felt like, like thinking back on it, I was like, what did I do? I should have like at least gone home to Utah and had a baby or something. Mm. Um, But the second time it just, it's so much better. I like, it really enjoyed my postpartum experience. I didn't feel anxiety. Mm. You know, I, I really, I didn't feel like this. I didn't feel like she needs me again. You know, like that at the first time I felt mm. so overwhelmed by how much I was needed. Right. I, I was so overwhelmed by that. And you couldn't take a shower, mm-hmm. you know, like the not being able to take a shower is crazy. Yeah. And, um, I think the second time, I it just did it differently. I knew to hold her more. I knew to put her in the wrap. I learned so many different things that I didn't know the first time. I didn't. I didn't have the consciousness for it. Right. Right. And I right. and I and I don't know if it's because I had to go through it to realize. Well, that didn't work right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but I just want the if you're like a new mom listening, you don't have to do that because we just went through it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, there's such a paradigm shift at the moment with, with women and, and mothers, um, you know, this concept that we have to kind of do it all or, um, or that, you know, we have to get our like pre-baby body back or, you know, go back to work. And um, <clears throat> I really feel that there's a beautiful um, awakening of what a woman really needs to be in her full power. And it's not what a man needs, you know, it is a lot gentler and 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 it it is that cultivating of that inner um that inner fire and that inner um, reservoir because the mother gives so much and so I just want to add here that you know part of my passion in doing this part of the reason part of my my calling is this connection to mother earth as well and and mother earth and mothers very similar just unconditionally just endlessly you know for a lifetime will just give and give and give to their to their children and to their family and um I it kind of hit me that well if a mother can take care of herself it also rewires the way that we take care of our great mother and our mother earth and um just the awareness and the consciousness of that and also I love that I love that because I'm writing my next book called Fertile and I opened up the book and I didn't know I was, I actually went to Glastonbury and I was, and I, and I, cause I'm writing about how to create fertility. Cause I work with a lot of clients that are, you know, having a hard time with fertility. Mm-hmm. And when I, they, I, you know, I, I listen and I was kind of being described to me as fertility is an, an awakening of the senses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a fully, you know, a, f- a fully awakened, I mean, kind of, this is off subject, but not really, but yeah. You know, fertility is a fully awakening of the senses. So your your engage your eyes are not well. Also, awakening is mm-hmm. is the senses alive. So mm-hmm. you know, your your feel you feel more alive. Your visions enhanced. Mm-hmm. You, your your the smells are enhanced. Your food, the food you choose, are, you know, is different than what you would normally choose if you're an unawakened individual. Mm-hmm. And in order to enhance fertility, because fertility is such an issue for so many women, mm-hmm. is where are your senses and how awakened are is your sensory system? Mm-hmm. And can it match Mother Earth's? Because if you walk into nature, it's like that's the best example we have of fertility 
anywhere else. There's no woman that can like, so it's, if we go back to that, what does a scene of nature look like? And can you emulate that self in yourself to increase your fertility? It's so important. And it's like, duh, but no one's really explained it like that to me until I experienced it. And I was walking in Glastonbury and I was experiencing, you know, the heightened energy and the the sounds of the birds, which are almost, you know, seventh dimensional and Mm. the smells. And I was like, this is fertility. Yes. This is fertility. And and it's almost alive. And if women can remember that Mm -hmm. and and cycle with that, Mm -hmm. powerful. It's not, it's kind of off subject. No, I love it. It's, it's, and it, I, it's totally in alignment. And, you know, I, I feel that, you know, when, just like how we prepare the earth to receive seeds that we're planting to grow food or, you know, grow a tree, that there is, you know, there can be parts of the earth which do need a lot of care and, and, and attention and we need to give back to the earth and put back in minerals or we need to put our blood there. You know, we have a rose on our, at the front of our house that for two years hasn't been um, flowering and then I started feeding it my blood and some magnesium from my bath and that's mm-hmm. results and it's just covered in roses now and it, it just you know there are certain little slight alterations sometimes to the soil that um that that create you know, an optimal environment um for those seeds to to sprout into life and so that's kind of where I I mean I do um provide food to a lot of pregnant women too um not women who are looking to conceive, but that's something that I'm conscious of in myself too. Um, and I love that <clears throat> when, you know, the health of your body, when you conceive really sets the tone for your pregnancy. That's what I tell a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what you eat when you're pregnant. Just listen to your body, eat healthily. But if you can be at your optimal health, you know, when you're looking to conceive, it's just like no start. one thinks about it. And mm-hmm. I want to bring that back. And mm-hmm. I think the infertility crisis, which is happening, and I think will, I think it'll bring attention back to that. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring attention back to, I mean, at least the, the work with so many women. And it's like, well, let's go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. What yeah. are you eating? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your stress level? Where do you need to have control? Do you connect with nature? When's the last time you took time for yourself? What is your career life balance? And yeah. it's like, you have to have all these things in balance before yeah. you, you know, have a child. Yes. And it's yeah. like the, like the earth is making some of these women really, really, really look at that. And, or you, you can do it. Like I, I had to look, I mean, I had, I looked at some of those things before I had a baby because I was forced to from a, you know, a different perspective, but a lot of women do it when they have the child and it's better to go through those health things before the child. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. And then could you talk about, um, so a lot of women talk about catching their blood and giving it back to the earth. Mm-hmm. I've never done this because I wouldn't know how, and I was actually on birth control and I had two babies, so I hadn't bled in so long. Yeah. Now I'm not, but what do you do? Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. And what does it feel like to you? Mm-hmm. So um, I use something called a diva cup. Um, it's a silicone cup um, shaped like a chalice. Um, and you insert it just like a regular tampon and then it catches your blood. And um, when it's time to empty it, just like you would replace a tampon, it's a cup of blood. And so I just take it to a plant or sometimes I will actually just put it in a jar 
and, you know, put some water in it as well. And just over the day, you know, have a little jar. And then, um, yeah, it sort of needs to be watered down a little bit. And then you can just pour it on your household plants or any plants outside that you, um, you know, feel need a little love. Or it's just a beautiful way to connect also with the earth. And as I said earlier, in the past, you know, there was this red tent tradition um, you know, where women would, bleeding women would come together because often, you know, we bleed around the same time, the full moon or depending on, on the month. Um, and they would sit on the earth and just bleed directly into the earth. And the idea was almost that this is going to fertilize our fields. This is going to help us with our next, you know, cycle of, of production and cooperation with Mother Earth. But, you know, Mother Earth gives us so much and, and, Oh, we, we, uh, for me, I have to remind myself, okay, what am I giving back to Mother Earth? And in shamanism, they say Pachamama loves sweet things. She loves sweetness and she loves, um, so she loves chocolate and she loves um, flowers and she loves, she's a woman, you know. So, um, but also just like we crave, you know, um, red meat when we're on our cycle, returning our blood to the earth is just a very enriching way to give back to mother earth um, physically and energetically and it creates that beautiful connection um as well with the earth um yeah beyond the physical level um yeah is there anything that you can think of like when women are going through their cycles i know when i do spiritual work or clearing work i know that when we do that that it clears the emotions around bleeding around the moon. Mm. Um, but mm. is there anything else we can, is there any foods, I mean, that you could eat before you start your period? Cause you know, at least for me, when I, before I start my period, I don't feel good. Like I feel, I, I have these mm. thoughts running through my brain that are not as like, like you're overweight or that bloated feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm the only yeah. per, women, yeah. woman who yeah. feels this way, but like, I'm like, I need to lose weight. I need to work out, but it's really that I'm about to start my period. Mm-hmm. Do you have that? Or is this, I mean, yeah. is there anything that, you know, women can do to, to eat or that you found to connect, to change that? Yeah. So something I love that my friend, shared with me was that you know she notices her body just like the moon gets fuller and fuller and fuller just before it releases back into this you know void of the new moon and so oh body is water as well our body is made up of you know some people say 75 some people say 90 percent water but it's it's a it's a majority of water and so our body is is being pulled and tugged on by the moon i feel And, and even you know just um even if the moon is not full, I feel like our body is um, just cycling, you know, and there's seasons and everything in nature has a cycle. And um, if you pay attention and notice that it just it does that every month, just like the tide is just waning and, be, and just not freak out and be like, okay, it's, you know, this is what this means. And then when I bleed, it's a release. And then I'm, it's going to wane back again to the way it was before. And, you know, and just being being conscious of that, but also, you know, you might, say oh yeah you know that's right I ate all of that ice cream I you know I had that cheesecake with my friend the other day and you just kind of say okay so now I'm going to eat you know some some lighter food and just to to not come down like a ton of bricks on yourself I as I said earlier struggled through years of eating disorders and it took me a long time to really be 
loving and gentle with myself. And I think that's why I'm able to offer this loving, gentle space to other women in this very tender time of postpartum is that I've had to learn how to be super gentle with myself and not give myself such a hard time. And um, I love what you said earlier as well about the senses and fertility. Um, Tantra is really... It's not just in the bedroom, but if you live in a you know bhakti yoga tantric kind of way, it's it's engaging with life with love. And um, so my friend as well, who said the thing about the, your body waxing and waning like the moon, she said to me when as I was kind of coming out of my eating disorder time, she said, "Just eat what you love. Just do what you love. Be with the people that you love." smell the things that you love, look at the things that you love and just surround, if you do that, then you can never, you're going to be great. You know, everything's going to be fine. And, yeah. um, and I love that, that, you know, if, if it feels really good to, to eat a piece of chocolate cake and buy yourself a bunch of flowers, then do that, you know. Um, yeah. And that's so yeah. important because there's so, when I working with women and they're trying to become pregnant, there's so much negative emotions and thoughts of I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm, this isn't, you know, and, and there could be a million other reasons why this baby shouldn't be coming at that moment. Like mm-hmm. perhaps there's a national, nat, you know, a, a natural disaster that's going to happen or they're going to lose their house or, you know, the child's supposed to come on a certain date in the future, which is mm-hmm. something they couldn't even wrap their minds around, nor do I bring up, yeah. but you know, it's like, just do what you love and feel, feel good. You know, feel really, really good inside. And then you'll attract that type of soul. And that, yeah. so if you, if your senses are so super heightened and you can do that through food or through energy work or through looking at the things you love, that's what you're going to attract into you. Just like the law of attraction. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. It's not that out there, but it is for the general <laughs> public to me, to me now, it seems like, well, duh, think about the law of attraction. You're going to yeah. attract, you know, what you are. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so if you want to bring awakened child down, become like nature become yeah. completely awakened like mother earth yes and create the conduit create the space yeah, yeah and create the space yes yeah and that's why you know coming back to postpartum too i feel that the more that women can you know really pay attention to how their body's feeling how much they're able to do like you said that vata energy of anxiety i have definitely had that too um and, you know, if they can be aware of that and understand what to reach for that's going to soothe that, um, bone broth, ashwagandha, lion's mane, um, you know, things like that, that rhodiola, very good for anxiety, um, just to, to know, okay, I can make myself like some golden milk or, you know, a cacao drink with some like homemade marshmallows or, you know, um, and know that that's going to really support my system to return back to homeostasis. You know, um, living organisms tend towards homeostasis and rebalancing themselves, but we do need to know how to do that. And, you know, people who were foragers, they were probably the most, the people who had the most understanding of, like they held so much information in their mind because they and it's lost now because no one's foraging anymore. Oh. And they were so connected to the land, but they only knew a small amount of the land, you know. But they would, like, maybe you know, I mean, not it's not small for us, but they walked and they had to know what foods were medicine, what foods were, you know, what do I take if this is happening to me, or 
you know, where do the potatoes grow? You know, and it was constantly changing. And I think we've lost that relationship to our food. Um, and, you know, there's kind of, we're in like a very macro stage, I feel, with food. Well, we have been, where it's protein, carbohydrates, sugar. And I think there we're, our energy collectively, I think, is becoming more and more refined. And so there is more and more of a subtle approach now, I think, that's available to us with food, you know, the energetics of food. Um, even like if you make a blend, if you make a smoothie or blend something or grind coffee, the energy of that, like grinding of that coffee, you know, bean is going to go into your into your system as well. And so it's just about making conscious choices whether I need that today or maybe not. Maybe I need something different. What do you recommend for moms that aren't in your area and need to get this postpartum or need help and they feel like they can't do it alone or like is there cookbooks that you would have their family use or is there something they could Google that they would maybe be able to find somebody in their area? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as I mentioned, the first 40 days is is a beautiful companion. Um it is not for everyone, I would say, but it's great um, in terms of understanding what a woman needs postpartum. She offers a lot of information, not only recipes. Um, and then there's something also I would say for, for people who, who don't have um, access to even their family, you know, they might live far away from their family or their friends. Uh, hopefully a woman has friends where she lives um, and there's something called mealtrain.com where you can organize a meal train for amongst your um, close circle of friends and um, basically people sign up to bring you food um, on a schedule and so often when a fr- when someone has a baby people people would love to know what they can do to help um, but for the most part, you know, delivering food, um, doing the dishes, like folding the laundry, these are things that like a postpartum mom will just be so grateful for. Um, it's not really about like sitting down and chatting for an hour and like that's going to deplete a new mom. But, um, but yeah, mealtrain.com, if you have sisters or, or, you know, friends in your area, you can, um, you can coordinate that. Um, and then also like a lot of, uh, I know people who maybe can't afford um, very much extra support postpartum, but they make a lot of food ahead of time when they're pregnant and freeze it. So kitchery, dals, you know, bone broth, these things really freeze very well. Um, different risottos or congees and other, um, you know, traditional Chinese, just rice and water, and they freeze really well. And you can, you know, for me often I put things like that in a, like a little lasagna tray and they just stack really well in the freezer. And then postpartum, you just have something that you can defrost and have that going on the stove. And so another thing you can, uh, another thing you can do is you can, if somebody is, there's no one in your areas that knows how to cook these things, mm-hmm. you can find maybe somebody who has trained in Ayurveda, or you can find even a cook that maybe is a student cook or something and hand them the cookbook. Yes. And so, or, you know, if, if you can, or have them teach you how to make one of those meals and then you can freeze them, something like that yes. so that it's not, it's yeah. not totally unavailable to you, but really think about it. And it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. And that's, that's something as well that's been becoming more and more um, in collective awareness is that there's so much focus on the baby and on the birth and then 
I know for my sister, she she had trouble breastfeeding, but she was like, I didn't, I didn't have any. I mean, it's almost, you know, you can know the basics of breastfeeding, but until you're in it, you know, there's there's a lot that you learn in the moment. But the whole postpartum time of breastfeeding, the maternal care postpartum, is is really um, not a priority in our culture. Um, it's kind of like, okay, here's your baby, now go home and you're on your own. Um, and so. Uh, the most, you know, as much support as we can get, I think, is really important for that transitional time. It's such a massive change in a woman's life and on all levels. As well, and and also I want to mention, I think I've mentioned this before, but tribes used to separate their babies by three years because yeah. they knew that the baby would be nutrient you know, nutritionally deficit mm-hmm. because they're nutritionally deficit because yeah. it takes three to four years for your body between each baby to get the nutrients back up. Yeah. Specifically if you're breastfeeding. I mean, it's like it just, mm-hmm. it's just taken everything from yeah. somebody. Yeah. Um, and then that child's going to be sick. The, I mean, the second child won't be as healthy as the first. Mm-hmm. So to make a really strong generations, they would separate. We're not doing that, mm-hmm. nor are we preparing our bodies with bone broths or anything in between. And I didn't do this. I did not know. And I got pregnant really quick. I, if I would have known how important it was, I would have been drinking the bone broth I had at my house, but I didn't like it. So I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. And mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have, you know, or just I would have eaten differently. Mm-hmm. Add ghee and salt to any bone broth that makes it taste like absolutely delicious. Algae and salt? Ghee. So clarified butter. Oh, I know ghee, yeah. Yeah, so I make ghee and any ghee with as much salt as you can handle and just it's, it changes the whole thing. 